Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Right, we've got three, two. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow podcast. And we are back here with your Brentford preview. I am joined by your Leeds United writer, Joe Donahue. And uh, let's get into it, shall we? So, Brentford, we are recording on the Thursday, and they're actually playing tonight, which is a, it's a key key thing to note, really, isn't it, JD? The fact that mm-hmm. Leeds have a, a little bit uh, extra rest in there. Yeah, two days worth, isn't it? And that's mm. not that's not to be sniffed at when it's quite a quite a hectic Christmas calendar. Um, yeah, we'll have to see that because they're they're away at Spurs, which isn't really away to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, then they're making the long trip up north. Um, to play Leeds, so yeah, I think we'll see. It'll be interesting to see the uh, the, the lineup that that um, Thomas Front goes with tonight. Whether there's a little bit of rotation from uh, from their most recent game, which was the win against uh, Everton, I think it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Brentford have been a good watch this season. I think it's fair to say they've been impressive. Um, only the one point ahead of Leeds, but I do have that game in hand tonight, of course. Um, but yeah, I think it should be should be a really good contest on on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it should be. Um, needless to say, it's another vital game for Leeds United going to, going into the um, going into the month of December, which is it's a tough one for Leeds. But you know, we've got to be positive. It was a it was a good result the other night against Crystal Palace. JD, uh, I want to ask if you've you've come with any other takeaways from from the Palace game the other day. Oh, I wish I got a takeaway after the Palace game. Time, <laughs> time, me and Baron. What's your favourite takeaway? My favourite takeaway. I think it depends depends what mood I'm in. If I'm going for something classy, it'll be a nice little tie. Oh, but tie, if I'm yeah. if I'm feeling like, oh, you know what, I just I just want some just want some ballast, just something to eat. Maybe mm. a, a little a little pizza doesn't doesn't go a pizza. Miss, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. But if if I'm talking, yeah, a little tie or maybe maybe an Indian. But yeah, I, I wonder I wonder what Adam Forshaw's favorite curry is. He probably hasn't hasn't had one in the past two years because <laughs> he covered the most ground again against uh, against. <laughs> I'm not sure ballast. about that segue, but you know we'll go. Oh, on. it works. Believe me, it works. <laughs> Um, it's uh, yeah, Adam Forshaw with the, the covered the most ground of any player um, against Palace. And to be fair, if you if you were watching the game and you were conscious of the fact that he covered the most ground at Brighton, um, then you know you'll have been looking at that thinking he's he's done it again here. He's, mm-hmm. He was he was floating about the pitch. He was you you know the last 10, 15 minutes, he, his legs must have been screaming. But he he, he he was running around as if he was you know walking on clouds. So. Um, yeah, he, he did. He did really well there again. But yeah, and any any other takeaways from from the Palace game? Um, apart from that, uh, I think a lot has really been covered. I think um, Stuart Dallas's um, friendly grab of Rafinha towards the end, well after the game, um, and a nice little comment, uh, which many many people might have seen on social media, um, where he was sort of discussing Rafinha's cojones to, to take a, a hop, skip and a jump penalty in the 93rd minute. I think that was a best nice thing about moment. The best thing about that's Rafinha's reaction. He doesn't know what's going on, but he just... Oh, he's he not will have no idea. <laughs> you, will, you will have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, 
but you know brilliant brilliant stuff that's the sort of camaraderie that you like to see um other takeaways let's let's have a think um Melier, uh, he he also shared something on social media where it was like mm. sort of, you know, just uh, you know, n- you shall not pass, no entry or that sort of thing, um, mm. with it with a clip of that 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 scramble back uh, onto his goal line. Uh, I, I think, think I said... think the big I think the big thing you mentioned there with Dallas Dallas as well, JD. I think the um, I, I loved it at the end, and I don't know if people have noticed this yet, but he made as soon as the referee was obviously he was about to blow the whistle, Dallas put a tackle in on Zaha. And then the referee yeah, blew yeah. the whistle, and he turned around and gave it one of those. Give and one you of just them. thought that what a battle that was, and and you know the, just just the passion that came out of him. It's what we all wanted to see, and, and I love. There's a really great picture which will be on our social media. You can check it out. Leeds United Live is just when Rafinha scores. They're all just they've all they've all gone up to the cop, and they're all just screaming into the cop. And you thought that's real unity there. Dallas nearly ends up in the cop, doesn't he? He kind of just. <laughs> carries himself through it was um it was also junior furpo kind of falls to his knees and yeah. punches the sky with both fists uh, when that goal goes in and but it's like, great isn't it jd that, yeah. that even even someone who's not been you know really Buying into it. this squad for that long is, is able to to feel it like that it's brilliant it's just nice to get a win it's nice to have three points on the board to maybe just ease that pressure a little bit just that tiny little bit of relief um and and you know we're talking about brentford we're going to be looking ahead to that it does ease the pressure on on this game uh, this Sunday because it's yeah it will be a tough one. Um, I, I I think based on current form, I think I'd rather have been I'd rather have got the win against Palace than Brentford, or rather have expected the win because you know Brentford are, they're, they're playing well, their away form's really strong, um, and I think you know Leeds are going to going to be really in for in for a fight. But um, yeah, the the three points and the manner the manner in which it came as well, it's just such a lift. You know, it's not as though Rafinha scores a, a scrappy one in the first five minutes and then you're hanging on for, for 85 and there's a few murmurs of discontent, a few, oh, well, we didn't kill that game off. It's a 93rd minute penalty, no less than the team deserved, I think, on the balance of chances. Um, but just the manner in which it it it, it was won uh, also, you know, proves as a, as a massive lift as well. And you were just discussing as well the lineup headache that's that that um, is going to be you know that's going to fall at Thomas Frank's feet really just in terms of obviously they're playing tonight and they've got a couple of injuries out as well some couple a couple of key personnel probably namely um, David Raya being the main one the goalkeeper but um, the the lineup's going to be absolutely key for for Marcelo Bielsa again isn't it JD I mean there were a few eyebrows raised I know mine certainly was when when the lineup came out. But once again, his, his comments afterwards, and, and we'll touch on on the man himself, who who you know a lot of eyebrows were raised on Tyler Roberts. Bielsa was glowing about him after the game, and you would probably expect something really similar. Obviously, potentially without Pascal Strout, we'll find out his injury tomorrow if it, if it is a long term thing. But uh, you would expect something really similar, wouldn't you, against Brentford at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, Bielsa doesn't tend to change his team too much unless it's absolutely necessary or enforced um, after after a win in particular. Um, so you wouldn't you would envisage that that Tyler Roberts is probably going to stay in that starting eleven based on Bielsa's comments. Um, and to be fair, you know, he, he did. He worked hard. He had a proper game. He had a right good goal of it. Started really sharp. Started fast. Um, obviously, you know, didn't get that goal. But I mean, ultimately, that's that's not the most important thing because the game was won in the end. Um, I think. You know, he did a lot of pressing in the same way that Patrick Bamford does. 
uh, which is which is important because that's often a, an, an underrated aspect of of that centre forward task um, that that Bamford undertakes most weeks. So um, it was good. It was good having that. It was good seeing that. Uh, and yeah, I think probably we'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe Rodrigo in for click. He might go with depending okay. on because I know that was the halftime sub. Um, and I think Rodrigo had a he probably shaded the second half as opposed to clicks first. But um, yeah, it's just speculation at the moment, really, isn't it? You, we'll we'll have to wait and see what what gets said in the press conference. I, I guess there's a lot of people talking about <clears throat> with regards to that game. You know, this is this is how football is. But that I've seen a lot online of of you know if we if we hadn't have won that game, there'd have been a lot of questions asked about you know why Joe Gellhart wasn't coming on you know the, the striker who who against Wolves and Tottenham has made significant impacts really just in terms of being in those positions where strikers are supposed to be but um I thought there was some decent movement from from Tyler Roberts but I, I guess it's going to be a different proposition against a, a Brentford side who, who stylistically are very different to Crystal Palace and um, Brent Brentford's record JD uh, one win in five uh, as, as you've alluded to the Everton win at the um, at the weekend, but it's not been. It started very very well, didn't it? But it's not been mm. plain sailing for them over the past sort of month or so. No, it's not. I, I just want to touch on that that Tyler Roberts Joe Gelhart comparison there. Yeah. Um, if Joe Gelhart started against Palace and was making exactly the same runs, exactly the same pressures, the same passes, the same touches uh, that Tyler Roberts was, I think we'd be hearing a lot more about how excellent the game Joe Gelhart had compared mm. to Tyler Roberts. Um, so I think that's why it's important that we actually shine a light on how. How well Tyler plays, but yeah, with Brentford, it's their away form for me, which is obviously the one which is going to be important with them coming to Ellen Road. Um, you know, they've they've beaten West Ham away. Uh, they they scored three against Newcastle at St James's Park. They've um, you know, I mean, I know it was at Wolves home. as well, didn't they? Yeah, they beat Wolves. Um, you know, they've they've taken some really big scalps this season. Uh, but there's also there's a there's a fragility there. They lost three one against Burnley at Turf Moor. Which I think is a is a result that probably not many people saw coming. Um, so there's, yeah, there, there are elements which you can take some encouragement from, but also you do need to approach it with a bit of well, they do they do carry a threat. And I was watching the uh, the Brentford Everton game at the weekend, and Ivan Tony was really impressive for me. Just the way that he drops off and you'll clip those balls into into the third man runners coming from midfield who are occupying that space. In, in the final third, he's really good at linking that. Really good at bringing people into play, and and he's you know he's also really really strong as well. Um, mm. So if he is playing sort of as as a as a centre forward, um, then yeah, that's that's something which you definitely have to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, yeah, I think they are probably it, it, at the moment more of a threat than Palace were. I expect- would you would you have said that before the Palace game? Yeah, is this sort of results biased? Do you think or? No, I, th- I just think from the way I've seen them play, I, I, Conor Gallagher is the, the one who makes Palace tick this season, but mm. he relies on having James McArthur next to him to be as influential. Um, James McArthur was out, uh, and I thought that that might affect things. I think it did. The second half, Gallagher wasn't nearly as influential. Um, but with Brentford, I think, yes, David Raya, goalkeeper's out for four or five months. That's a big blow for them. Um, so, you know, let's 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 start shooting from 30 yards um, <laughs> against Alvaro Fernandez. Uh, Josh De Silva's out. Uh, he's coming back, but I doubt he'll be ready for Sunday. Um, who, and he's he's excellent at carrying the ball through lines, which yeah. we know is something which Leeds struggle with, especially for a player of his physical profile. Um, I think Eye is another big one, isn't he? There's some assigning. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think Christoph Ayers is he I don't know whether he's confirmed to be out. We'll we'll know that in the next few days, but he's been absent the past few weeks with injury. Um and he's also another good ball carrier from from centre half. So they they do have they do have important players out, but I still think you your Ivan Tonys, your Brian and Burmos, your Ethan Pinnocks, Pontus, um, Rico Henry, they've got some really good players in there um who can who can you can impact the game. So I think Brentford are the the more difficult game, but only marginally. But I mean that that shows that it's still going to be an even game. You know, the Brentford version of this podcast will be looking at Leeds and going, "How are we going to handle Rafinha?" You know, because mm. that that's a problem for them. How are we going to nullify Phillips? You know, how are we how are we going to get in behind Urente and and Cooper? So yeah, it's two sides to the same coin. But I think yeah, this I'd be I'd be okay with a draw. Five points from the three games against Brighton, Palace and Brentford, I'd be pleased with because none of them, crucially, are defeats. I'd be disappointed with a loss. I'd be over the moon with a win. Yeah, definitely. Take point off Brentford and then the next two, we've got to get six points, bare minimum. Um, that's obviously a joke because we're playing Crystal Palace, uh, we're playing Manchester City and, and Chelsea, so it's going to be a bit of a, a tough, a tough um, two weeks, I think. There, but in terms of in terms of Brentford, and and it's fascinating you mentioned Pontus Janssen there, and we don't need a, a scouting network or anything like that because we've seen it in the flesh with Pontus for many years, and I, I've already made this point. But with regards to Pontus, he always struggled against small, stocky strikers. I always remember that. I remember going down to Griffin Park and he struggled against Neil Mope. I remember Scott Hogan giving him the run around as well. I also remember Billy Sharp as well, causing him a lot of problems. You know, some defenders really love that physical battle. And I think Pontus is one of those who loves, you know, if Bamford was coming up against him, I think he'd really thrive on that. Is there something in the future? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. But I think I think there's definitely something in that uh, with regards to, to to Jansen. So I guess that that is that is what the the thinking could be with regards to a Tad Roberts or with regards to a Joe Gellhart. Yeah, I was going to say. So is that uh, is that you throwing your support behind Joe Gellhart to start against Pontus Jansen? <laughs> I think he'd probably finish the game with a few less teeth than he started with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, I agree with your points. I think that. I mean, to be honest, I'd completely forgotten about Scott Hogan as a, as an entity, but yeah, he, he did <laughs> give him a give him a bit of trouble. Um, Neil Mope playing for Brentford against Leeds. Don't need to discuss that. Um, I'll leave but, that one out. Yeah, I, I think Pontus Janssen is very very good at the physical battle. You know, he's you know, he's somebody who thrives on that. It, it gives it it galvanizes and energizes him um, because you know one one crunching tackle, one header where he gets up and over the centre forward. All that's going to do is just just gonna just gonna fill him up with confidence. Um, somebody who I, I think, yeah, you need to, you need to be intelligent when you're playing against him because, you know, if you you need to make those runs which are perhaps gonna catch him off guard. You know, maybe go on the blind side and try and try and um, try and exploit the the fact that maybe he's not the most mobile central defender that in the Premier League. I mean, we we know that firsthand. Um, so. I guess the big thing, the, the big example there was JD when he came back with Brentford, and it was a, it was going to be a stalemate. It was difficult. It was nip and tuck. But then Eddie came on and Ketia, mm. and he sort of burst the game into life, and he started causing them real, real problems at the back. So maybe it is an avenue where Leeds could could exploit them. Yeah, which leads me to think that he might that Bielsa might put Daniel James up front again. 
Because... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, he's tried it a few times now. It's not a coincidence. Um, yeah. He's, uh, if, we're, if we're saying all this, then who's who's more flighty and diminutive than, than Daniel James in this team? Um, so, yeah, point. it's... It, 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 it's one to consider. I know. I know. Bielsa will be considering it. He'll be considering all his options. But I do really like Dan James on the wing, though. <laughs> oh yeah, I much prefer him on the wing. I think he's been great on the wing recently. Mm. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's one of those where it's like, will he consider it? And to be honest, if if the team take all three points and Dan James has a blinder, no complaints really, is there? Bielsa knows best. He knows his players best. He he sees all the data. He watches them in training every day. We're just here to to, to fill the fill the void, <laughs> fill the gap. And um, yeah. with with regards to you, you, we we're just talking about the strikers there and all this sort of stuff. We won't know until until tomorrow uh, when the, when the press. I presume the the press conference yes, is tomorrow. Press conference really. is Friday morning. Yeah. Yeah, uh, great. So obviously we're recording on the, on the Thursday. With, with regards to Patrick Bamford, played 90 minutes uh, for the under-23s when they lost 3-2 to Manchester City. In, in your opinion, I know it's it's all dependent on so many, there's so many varying factors here, but when do you think we're going to at least see him maybe on the bench? Could it could, could this weekend be too soon, do you think? Um, I mean, we might see him on the bench this weekend. Um, I think it depends. I think... He played 90 minutes. He came through unscathed. He was only supposed to play 45. Granted, he did wane a little bit in the second half mm. uh, of that 23s game. But again, that could have been a, a choice. That could have been a decision to to not risk himself because he's been out for two and a half months. Why mm. Why would it wouldn't make any sense to, to, to strain for a ball in a 23s game and risk rolling that ankle again? Um, I think it's possible to, he could be on the bench. He does also strike me as the type of player that Bielsa throws straight back in, but not against Brentford. He, you know, if he's going to bring him in from the start, he'll probably bring him in from the start in one of the the later December games. As in not late in December, but later on in in this month. Um, as in not not this Sunday. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see whether he plays against Leicester on Friday night that in another twenty threes game. Whether he needs additional minutes, um, I suspect not, given that he played ninety, but. Um, yeah, it'd be such a boost. I mean, even oh. if he doesn't get on the pitch, it'd be such a boost if he was on the bench mm. on, on Sunday. Just knowing you have that option. And obviously Luke Aylin there as well. Yep. Um, we don't know what's going on there. But like you said, it's interesting how Bamford was only supposed to play 45 and Ailing did play 45, I believe. So does that mean Bamford's further on in his recovery? Or what, what does that mean? I, 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 I mean, I, I don't think you could probably categorize it as binary as further on or further behind in, in recovery i mean we'll hear from bielsa and the evolution of their injuries you know, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be up to that uh, as we as we so often hear but um Aileen played 45 the intention was for bamford to play 45 um and crescentio somerville to play 45 the there was a first half injury to, to leo hilda um in that game which meant that he had to come off which meant that one of bamford Aileen and somerville were required to play the full 90 minutes essentially and Bamford was chosen as that so maybe whether that was an informed decision because he was furthest on in his recovery or because I don't know just position wise it, that's the way that the logistics worked um yeah remains to be seen but um they're, they're both I mean they both looked good in in that game they especially in that first half I mean Ailing was was very very solid you know got to the byline those cutbacks that you were texting me about on the night um <laughs> The Bamford was was good with his hold up, his link up, um, scored one, which was disallowed um, from about twenty yards. 
uh, and yeah, it's 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 good to see. It'll be it'll be a boost. We, me and Baron were discussing it on Tuesday night. You know, just the the be- the bench is going to start to to fill up again. It's going to start to bulk up with senior players, and that can only be a good thing with the number of fixtures that are coming up. Yeah, of course. You, you mentioned when you were watching Brentford the other day uh, against Everton. I I don't know about you, but I don't ever remember Brentford, especially in the Championship, really targeting the long balls and the set pieces like they do in the in the Premier League. Has, has that been a bit of a change? Do you think with with Thomas Frank's side? Um, maybe in the Championship, and maybe maybe it was a case that they didn't need to. They didn't need to sort of pursue those marginal gains as much. But in the Premier League, those those moments, as we saw with. The last, I mean, before the Palace game, they conceded ten goals from set pieces already this season. You know, if you target a team who are particularly weak in that area, um, then yeah, it pays to it pays to work on your set pieces. I think they've always been quite conscious of set plays. Like, for example, um, even even throw-ins and that sort of thing. I know Thomas Gronemark, the Liverpool throwing coach, has is Danish. He's worked with Thomas Frank, who's also Danish before. Um, I suspect he's worked with Brentford in maybe in a consultancy capacity. Um, because I think he's quite closely linked to FC Midtjylland, which is the same club that that Matthew Benham, the owner, uh, runs as well in Denmark. Um, so they will—they've always been a smart club in terms of their recruitment and trying to get um, the best possible, you know, those extra one and two percent. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that they've come into the Premier League and went well. Our squad is massively, massively inferior to the likes of Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Let's try and get an edge wherever we can and set pieces are, are a great opportunity to, to do that. Yeah, you, you would expect that's going to be, you just mentioned a target. Um, you you would expect that's going to be something that they're going to deploy against Leeds United. And I guess you, you mentioned as well, Ivan Tony before JD. I mean, he, he seems to have taken to the Premier League like a duck to water, really. And he is someone who really, really enjoys the physical altercation. And I think... You know, that's that's really going to be key this weekend, isn't it? Being able to match him up. Yeah, I mean, he's a complete forward, isn't he? He's, um, you know, he, he can do the vast majority of things really well. Um, you know, he's got a, a fair, I mean, I say a fair few goals. He's got four goals, I think a couple of assists this season as well. So if you're looking at direct goal contributions, he's got exactly the same as Rafinha this season um, with six. So, you know, he, he, that's a player that you need to, to put, I mean, it'll be interesting to see who marks him actually because we saw Calvin Phillips on Harry Kane mm. didn't we so mm. given the fact that we know Tony drops off maybe Phillips will be on Tony as well yeah yeah good point although I think Tony is about six foot four six foot five isn't he so let's oh, hope that's not surely not, not at all he's is more he? like six one surely yeah six yeah. one yeah he's not that he's nowhere near six four six five no no oh god I thought he was you've been tapped. you've been looking through looked... one of those funny mirrors that you see at the hall of uh, <laughs> at the fair at the circus <laughs> I, I I can't. I don't think he's six. I reckon he's six three. We'll go. We'll go medium. Yeah, maybe he's not six three. Five. Should we have a? Should we have a look? Should, yeah, who are we gonna? Who are we gonna trust here? It's a live podcast height check. A live. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm worried now because now you've got me second guessing myself. I said initially I think six four, but I go six three. He is a court. Oh my word! According to whoscored.com, he's 179 centimeters, which is five foot ten and a half. <laughs> So you've really been looking through those funny mirrors. Well, let's, 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 let's double check. Let's double check. Let's go for another another data provider. Let's have a look because 1.79, even I'm thinking that's a little bit too small. Yeah, uh, so you think Calvin Phillips, Calvin Phillips is maybe going to be taller than him. So it might actually be advantageous for Leeds. Hold on, hold on. 
transfer marked have him down as 1.85 meters tall, which is six foot one. So yeah, well, I'm not sure on your conversion rate there. I think 1.85 could be six three. I, I think that's incorrect, and you're spreading misinformation <laughs> to our very good listeners. Um, so he's he's around six foot. I think is is, <laughs> is what we're going to say. Um, and he's got he, he he can he can mix it a bit. I think is is kind of the the operative discussion point that we're trying to come up with there. But yeah, six goal contributions, more than Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. A bit of a tongue twister mm-hmm. there. Uh, Son Heung Min. He's got more than him. Um, yeah, he's got he, he knows how to find the net, and he knows how to find his teammates. With the December run that I've mentioned several times coming up for Leeds United, where we arguably play the best three teams in the world away from home, is it yeah. is it absolutely a lot of uh, coin the phrase? A lot of Leeds United fans are calling this a must win as well. I know you said you'd be okay with the draw, but do Leeds need to get a win for this one with with uh, almost security, JD, with what's coming up? Well, you always want to win, but uh, I mean must win is it a must win you want to win as many of your home games as possible um with the games coming up i mean you're ultimately you're going to play chelsea away you're going to play city away you're going to play liverpool away at some point in the season unfortunately for leeds it's fallen at a very inopportune time because it means that christmas is going to be miserable um but arsenal at home as well oh no i think i think you can get something in there Um, but in terms of the quality of side that leeds are playing yeah 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 yeah. no I, i agree yeah um i think it's it's not a must win, but it is a good opportunity to get some points on the board before a difficult run. And I say points as in three points. You know, you're looking at a newly promoted team and you're thinking you you want to be beating them at home. I mean, last season, West Brom were beating at Ellen Road. Sheffield United were beating at Ellen Road. Fulham were beating at Ellen Road. Um, you know, the this season, this season as well. It's, this season, it's been Watford and Norwich as well. We've beaten both well, of them. Exactly. So. Yeah, you you need to beat the teams that are going to be below you or around you in the table. And at the moment, Brentford are a point ahead. If they, I mean, if they beat or draw with Spurs tonight, that'll be a point or four point, uh, two points or four points ahead. But roughly same, similar points. Um, so yeah, you want to be targeting these games. Must win. I'm not going to say must win because there will be other opportunities in the season against poorer teams who will come to Ellen Road, like Everton. Um, well, I know Everton have already been, I mean, going to Goodison. Um, I think, yeah, it's not must-win for me, but it's a great opportunity. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I think it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity um, for Leeds United to get all three points. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be a stern test, uh, uh, task. And I think after the win, uh, it's it's... it's you know, there's there's a lot of confidence around the place, um, but I, I do think it is key to know, like you've said, JD, that that Brentford are not just going to be a walk in the park with this one. I think um, maybe and it's great that we've got a lot of confidence. Of course, it is, but I don't think it's going to be cataclysmic if Leeds were to draw the game. No, absolutely not. It's another point on the board. It's another game which Leeds go unbeaten at Ellen Road. Um, that's you know, it's it's positive. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, well, we will end the show uh, with predictions, as always. Um, So, okay, so Leeds United coming up against Brentford Sunday. JD, what are your thoughts? Well, 1-1. No hesitation in this this week. Well, 1-1. 1-1. Okay, well, I've said before that I think it's going to be another 1-0. I think it's going to win it 1-0. So we'll note that down. We'll get Baron's prediction as well. I mean... 
one nil again, that'd, that'd just be great, wouldn't it? That'd be three games where <laughs> I mean, I don't know how there wasn't a goal conceded against Brighton. I do have to say that well, exactly, yeah. Ever, but that, that would be that's something I haven't considered the clean sheets. So two in a row, yeah. nosebleed territory. Yeah, exactly. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening to the Blue, White and Yellow. We do appreciate it every single week. Uh, we'll be back with the post pod, which should be out after the Brentford game. Jeddy, thanks for joining me, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you in a bit. Cheers.